Welcome to Audiobooks All Day Podcast. My name is Jeff. And I'm Kevin. And today we're going to be doing Chapter 15, Mars Direct. In today's episode, we're especially going to focus on why in the world do we need to get to Mars? Like Jeff said, we are going to be talking about Mars Direct, which is a book by Robert Zubrin, who is actually the head of the Mars Society. The Mars Society is a group of people who have gotten together into a society and have said, we want to get to Mars. And it was formed in 1998 in Boulder, Boulder, Colorado, for a fun fact. This book was written in 2013. And the purpose of this book is to, one, tell you a strategy of how we can get to Mars, two why we need to get to Mars, and three, why we're not already at Mars. It's a really interesting book. It's also very short. So if you're not looking for a big read, but you want something that's interesting, this would be a really good one. So one of the things I love is that right from the get-go, he starts to ex- to kind of make the case for why we need to go to Mars. And one of the reasons is if we're ever going to, as a species, leave Earth and start to diversify our existence and becoming an interplanetary species, then we need to go to Mars because it's that first step. And essentially, he's saying um, there's many things that we could be doing in space. We could be building you know, space stations that orbit the moon, or we could be doing a whole lot of things. But we need to go to Mars. And he said one of the reasons is to see, hey... Can there be life? Can we replicate essentially the conditions that existed on Earth that made life on Mars? One of his big cases for that is he says, well, there's the four basic elements of life that exist on Mars. He also notes that there's a bunch of secondary elements that are needed to support life that are also on Mars. So already you have this case for why we need to go to Mars to see if we can essentially create... um, a way to have sustainable life on a different planet that is not Earth. Yeah, the the crux of the Mars Direct strategy is that we're not going to send everything to Mars. We're not going to send everything we need. We're going to send everything we need to build what we need. So, for example, there's no methane and there's not a lot of oxygen on Mars. But... There are the other elements necessary to create both methane, which would be used primarily as fuel, and oxygen, which would be primarily used in one, making water. If any of you have seen The Martian, he made it with using oxygen and making water, and it was awesome. And also for making oxygen for breathing, because if you hadn't noticed, we all need oxygen to breathe. It's one of those things that... Surprise. Yeah, one of those things that just kind of makes life tough, especially when you're climbing a steep hill. There's never enough oxygen. So like Kevin was saying, it is all about making sure that we use existing technology and not needing to make humongous rockets that then will go to Mars. Because the, the lead time that we would need in order to make what a lot of um, scientists consider maybe the right way of going to Mars um, isn't what is necessary to go to Mars. So by having the, you know, using the existing technology that essentially we used to go to the moon 50 years ago, Um, By using a lot of that, but by obviously implementing a lot of technology, especially computer technology inside of um, the rocket, it will actually make it a whole lot easier and faster and will shorten our timeline dramatically to get to Mars. Because this is obviously something that they feel strongly about needs to happen yesterday and not in a few years from now. Yeah, and 
Robert Zubrin spends a lot of time in the book kind of talking about why we have not already gotten to Mars. And he puts a lot of the blame, if not all of it, at the feet of NASA. He draws this comparison. So from 1963 to 1973 and from 2000 to 2012. Now in that same time frame, we spent about the same amount of money on NASA. Now I realize that the 1963 to 73 is two years shorter, but in that time, we did all the Apollo missions. We did, I can't remember a bunch of the names, but we did a lot of missions, including getting to the moon, getting like orbiting the earth, you know, pretty much doing anything we did in space. We went from a not spacefaring people at all to chilling on the moon. Yeah, to the first version of the International Space Station and Skylab yeah. and all that stuff. And then from 2000 to 2012, all we did was orbit. We never made it further than the International Space Station. Well, yeah, we haven't left the Earth's atmosphere um, since the last people in 1978 went to the moon. So it's been a really long time. And that, why do we even have NASA if we're not going to go to space? Now, he talks a lot about why we're doing that and the direction of NASA. Now, the last two heads of NASA have been quoted saying along the lines of that they are glad that NASA is no longer a destination-driven organization, but rather a technology-driven organization, which means we're going to build the technologies that we want and then apply them to space travel so we can go wherever we want, whenever we want to go. Zubrin, he claims that that is completely wrong and that that is making us build, first, a lot of things that we do not need, just a lot of people lobbying for special projects that nobody needs, and also that it leaves us without direction. We're not building the efficient things we need because we don't really have a goal. And when we were destination driven, back when we got to the moon... It was all about doing what it takes. Yeah, mostly because we wanted to beat Russia. And, you know, like it or not, that yielded a lot of results and a lot of amazing results. That being said, they do give a lot of shout outs to private space companies such as SpaceX who are uh, who do have that goal. Um, Elon Musk has it being his stated goal that we need to eventually not only become a multi-planet species, but in order to truly become uh, safe and make sure that humanity perpetuates beyond, you know, the, you know, he's taken the big vision. So are we going to be around in a million years? Um, we need to get out of the solar system. We need to not be dependent on this sun. We need to identify other worlds. And so that's such a humongous goal. Um, and uh, will take a long time, but th this is the first step. And so he really shouts out uh, those private space companies who do have that vision. You know, when we think about Star Trek and Star Wars and really Stargate, any of those star series that where humans are uh, exploring outside of the outside of the Earth, we always feel like that's so far away. And that's something that could never happen. But in reality, we could make that next step today. We have the technology available to get to Mars. We just haven't done anything. And a lot of it is maybe we're scared or we don't see the value in it, but we could be making those steps today. And we're not making those steps. We got really interested in this. And at the end of the book, Mars Direct, it actually reads the foundation, the founding statement of the Society for Mars. So we're going to actually read that to you right now. All right, it begins by saying, the time has come for humanity to journey to the planet Mars. We are ready. Though Mars is distant, we are far better prepared today to send humans to the red planet 
than we were to travel to the moon at the commencement of the space age. Given the will, we could have our first cruise on Mars within a decade. The reason for going to Mars are powerful. We must go for the knowledge of Mars. Our robotic probes have revealed that Mars is, was once a warm and wet planet, suitable for hosting life's origin. But did it? A search for fossils on the Martian surface or microbes in groundwater below could provide the answer. If found, they would show that the origin of life is not unique to the Earth and, by implication, reveal a universe that is filled with life and probably intelligence as well. From the point of view of learning our true place in the universe, this would uh, be the most important scientific enlightenment since Copernicus. We must go for the knowledge of Earth. As we begin the, 20, uh, the 21st century, we have evidence that we are changing the Earth's atmosphere and environment in significant ways. It has become a critical matter for us to better understand all aspects of our environment. In this project, comparative planetology is a powerful tool, a fact shown by the role of uh, Venusian atmosphere studies played in the discovery of the potential threat of global warming by greenhouse gases. Mars, the planet most like Earth, will have even more to teach us about our home world. The knowledge we gain could be the key to our survival. We must go for the challenge. This is where I think that things start to get really interesting, and I kind of like to summarize it by just saying, essentially, that we would decay without the challenge as a human species. Our societies are driven um, by the stress of technology progress. Um, and as we do that, it will actually bring us all together as a, as a society. Then they go on to talk about that we must go for the youth, that instilling in the younger generations of scientists, engineers, and inventors, and medical researchers, and all of those people, we will inspire them to do even more than what has been done previously. We must go for the opportunity. Um, the settling of the Martian world is an opportunity for a noble experiment in which humanity has another chance to shed old baggage and begin the world anew. And I think that's really cool. We're able to kind of essentially say, hey, we have a really powerful history as human beings, but we have an opportunity to kind of redefine not our history, but to redefine our future. We must go for the future. Mars is not just a scientific curiosity. It is a world with a surface area equal to all of the continents of Earth combined. Possessing all the elements that are needed to not only support life, but to a, technology, a technological society. Um, and that this new world has history waiting for all of us and that we need to go, we must do it for all of us. So when I first read this charter, I thought it was so interesting and it reminded me of when I was really young. I don't remember how young I was and maybe, you know, was 10, 8, but we were all, us as a family, we were in West Yellowstone and we went to this giant IMAX theater and we saw this documentary about Lewis and Clark. And the documentary really, really hit home. It was something that was so interesting. It was the first time I'd ever really thought of history as this really, really cool interactive thing. And later we bought it. And I've watched that Lewis and Clark documentary many times. But what was instilled in me is the idea of that as spirit of adventure. You know, the name of the ship in Up, Spirit of Adventure. And just how amazing it is and how important it is that we keep searching that we keep trying to be better. Now, there are a lot of ways that us as people, we can keep searching and stretching the bounds of where we are. 
It could be looking in space. It could be checking the deepest oceans, the jungles of the Amazon. It could be in science, literature. There are infinite ways. But I love this book because it tries to rattle the cage and say, hey, us as people, we need to start pushing ourselves a little harder. We're really comfortable here on Earth. And that comfort could come at a high price if we don't start pushing ourselves now. And I just really, really loved that book. And I think, if anything, we need to get to Mars. We need to start pushing to Mars just simply so we can push ourselves and become better as a people. Thank you all so much for listening to our audiobooks all day podcast today. And do not forget to live your story.